0: Hey, guys. Before we start the episode, I just wanted to clarify a couple things. Uh, First, you may notice that this is a pretty short episode. I think by the time I add this segment in at the beginning, it'll be like maybe 35 minutes long. Uh, The reason for that is because it only covers one issue of a comic book. And beyond the synopsis, I don't have a whole lot to say about it um, because it is just kind of a silly, you know, enjoyably stupid comic book. But the reason I picked it is important, and you'll see why once we get into it. Um, also, once you listen to the introduction, you may notice that I said I wasn't sure if I was going to be releasing this episode on Monday or Tuesday, the second or third. And then once I get to the kind of the end of the episode, you'll notice that I decided to release it on that Monday. Having done that, I've decided to go ahead and actually drop this on Friday, October 30th. Um, again, what I want, the reason I recorded this episode, I feel is kind of important. And I wanted to drop this so if anybody listens to it and they take what I have to say to heart, and maybe it'll give you a few extra days to process it i guess i don't want to say too much but let's uh let's get into it shall we it's time for the cable guide the podcast that talks about every appearance of nathan christopher charles dayspring ascani sun summers the all-purpose adventure guy otherwise known as cable i'm grant richter and this is episode 16. Journey and welcome back to the show. I'm all rested up from my break week, which hasn't happened yet in my timeline, but will have been about a week ago when you're listening to this, because I am recording it about a week ahead. And I am ready for our first time slide episode. What does that mean? Well, that means I am taking a issue uh, that features cable from somewhere outside of our uh, timeline schedule and throwing it in there. Now for this episode, I'm going to be talking about an issue of a character who I don't like very much, at least in uh, the early 1990s, but I am slowly building a slight appreciation for based on his current series by Kelly Thompson and Chris Piccolo, and that is Deadpool. Why are we talking about Deadpool? Well, cable appears in this issue. Why are we talking about this particular issue of Deadpool, though? For our first time slide, we are talking about Deadpool number 26 from March of 2014. And if you're not already familiar with this issue, just off the top of your head that I'm releasing... Um, I haven't decided if I'm going to put this out on Monday, November 2nd or Tuesday, November 3rd, but uh, keeping those dates in mind, once you listen to it, it may be fairly obvious. Uh, <laughs> so let's find out why I picked this particular issue. Deadpool number 26, written by Jerry Duggan and Brian Posehn. Art by Scott Koblish, colors by Val Staples, and lettered by V.C.'s Joe Sabino. In 1945 Berlin, Hitler and his top generals have retreated to a secure bunker as the war draws to an end and as the Allied forces, specifically Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos, close in on the mentally unhinged dictator. When a steampunk time traveler materializes to kill Hitler for his crimes against humanity, The genocidal madman defeats and executes his erstwhile assassin and takes his time machine hat, determined to use it to kill Nick Fury. In 1959, Los Angeles, a time-traveling Deadpool meets up with the Nick Fury of that era. Wade, having been set back in time by the Fury of the modern era, gives Nick the skinny that Hitler has tried unsuccessfully to kill him at different points in his personal timeline. Wade, sent to guard Fury's life, grabs him and goes on the lamb, hightailing it from goons and hot rods firing hot lead. Hitler shows up from the future in a Tesla punk robot suit and incinerates Fury with a death ray. Deadpool is next to get blasted to ashes, but not before he's able to send a postcard to the dead drop box of his as yet unnamed partner. Sometime in the modern era, probably 1995, Cable checks said Dropbox, finds Deadpool's postcard, and sets out to save the timeline. Back in 1959, just seconds before Wade and Fury were killed, Cable shows up in his own mecha-suit and punches the shit out of Hitler. Cable zaps the Fuhrer-Bot with a freeze ray and smashes it open. Then he, Deadpool, and Fury shoot Hitler with lots and lots and lots of bullets. In order to preserve the timeline... Cable time-slides Hitler's bullet-ridden corpse to his bunker in 1945 Berlin. The war is won and history is saved thanks to Cable, with some help from Deadpool and Nick Fury. All right, so the cover to this comic book is by Phil Noto, so it is great. And it is Deadpool in the front, wearing his costume with a suit and tie and a fedora over it, holding a Tommy gun. And then Nick Fury a little bit behind him coming towards the camera in a suit and tie holding a pistol. And then Cable kind of sort of in the background in his uh, what I think of as his mid-90s costume holding a pair of really big guns. And the the psychokinetic energy coming out of his left eye is so big that it's going off the page. And there's and they're all running across Hitler's face. It's it's. It's a really cool cover. It's really hard to look at for any amount of time because, you know, Hitler. And I don't know, I love it. I think it's a a really great cover. I'm a huge fan of Phil Noto's artwork, especially lately. Um, Yeah, it's just got a a great uh, scratchy, sketchy feel to it, which I feel is kind of indicative of Noto's best work. When we get inside... And uh, we get a little note from Jordan White saying that this is intended to be a fill-in issue. It doesn't have anything to do with anything else in the series, which is fine for me because I have not read a single issue of this series. And so I have no idea what goes on before it or what goes on after it. Um, But yeah, and they've done something really neat. They have taken the—I would love to see how the— uh, physical copy of this look, because I'm sure it's on the glossy paper, but they've managed to make it look like the old-school uh, newspaper, newsprint paper that comics used to be published on back in, you know, before the early 90s, excuse me, and it's, you know, they've done an effect to it, or it looks, you know, slightly yellowed and, and a bit crinkly, and the art is... I don't know the word for it, where where the coloring is made up of a bunch of little bitty dots, especially on the shading. Uh, Stipulated? I don't know. And then, like, every few pages, you'll see down in the bottom right-hand corner, story continues after next page, which is a big callback to older comics, for those of you of the age that remember. But once we get into the actual story itself, we have Hitler in his bunker, and he's surrounded by his generals and... You know they're saying, well, and Hitler's going here. How we here is how we're going to win the war, and here's how we're going to Kresnik Fury. And his generals are going, uh, oh, but, but, Mein Führer, uh, Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos have smashed your Fourth Army and continued their march toward Berlin. We don't know their current location. And there's these five panels of Hitler sitting there, and at first he's got kind of his hands folded before him, and he's got his glasses on, and he he sees his hands slowly start to shake, and he reaches up, and he. It looks like he's calmly taking off his glasses. And then he just has like a complete meltdown. And <laughs> there is actually a pretty funny line in this. Okay. So I, I have to stop and say, I love the plot of this story. I think it is hilarious. I think it's cathartic. Um, it brings me a lot of joy. I don't get a well, I get the humor. I get why it's funny But a lot of the humor, especially we'll see as we get into the captions, doesn't really resonate with me. And I know this was co-written by Duggan and Brian Poussaint. And I don't know Brian Poussaint's comic book work writing well. Like I've seen him in sitcoms and stuff, and I think he's pretty funny there. But um, I'm wondering how much of the plot is Duggan and how much of the script is Poussaint's um but i have to admit that this bit of dialogue where hitler's freaking out and he says what are these six men i have a million soldiers out looking for a bunch of drunken braggarts how hard is it to kill nick fury he wears an eye patch just sneak up on his freaking blind spot and stab away <laughs> which is actually pretty funny um then he says if these are my last days don't tell anyone about them i don't want any books or especially any films to be made portraying me as a lunatic captain of a sinking ship which is great, Um, which is uh, particularly uh, allegorical right now. Then he goes into his little private chambers, and this time travel guy comes out of nowhere. And time travel guy, we don't get his name, but he's got a huge handlebar mustache and a Van Dyke beard. And he's wearing a hat that reminds me of a... DC Silver Age Supervillain, I don't know the guy's name, because I don't know Silver Age very well in general, and I know DC Silver Age even less, but I used to own like every copy of DC's Who, who Who's Who back in the 80s, and I remember a guy who had kind of a conical shaped helmet, and then the the cone of the helmet had kind of like these ray gun rings around it, and it ended like a little ball on the top, and that's what it reminds me of. I'm sure somebody out there knows what I'm talking about. But if not, that's okay. And it's the whole thing is very clockworky. There's, there's gears and little clocks and everything. And he's wearing these goggles and he pulls out a gun that kind of looks like a cross between a pistol and an engine, but Hitler grabs the gun and kicks the guy in the junk and knocks his helmet off of him, beats him up and then takes his own pistol out and shoots the guy in the head. At which point he takes the guy's helmet and puts it on, and he goes and stands on Time Travel Guy's platform, and he is going to go uh, back into the past to kill Nick Fury. Now, I was saying I didn't really get the the humor of the caption boxes, because uh, from what I understand... (laughs) of Deadpool from this era, he was his big kind of shtick was breaking the fourth wall, and a lot of his internal dialogue was done through the caption boxes where he talks like he recognizes that he's in a comic book and he recognizes the tropes and so forth and so on. These caption boxes are not from Deadpool's perspective, but they're still talking to the reader. So it's like the omniscient narrator of the book is breaking the fourth wall um and i don't know i mean it it's not that it's not funny it's just weird um and like let's see uh like so when the when the time travel guy shows up the caption box says say get a load of this guy and then he pulls out a gun and it says i never thought i'd say this but look out hitler and then hitler punches the guy and says get him hitler and then you know hitler knocks the guy out and the narrator says oops maybe i should have rooted for the other guy there is one really funny part, though, when when Hitler gets on the little time travel thing and puts on the time travel helmet, he says, what is the one thing that has time and again nudged me down this path of ruin? And, and the dialogue box says, hmm, having your testicles shut off during World War One. <laughs> and that is that is pretty legit funny. But that's about kind of the end of the, the funniness of the captions. Um So, yeah. So from there, we jump forward to 1954 Los Angeles. Nick Fury walks into a bar and Deadpool is already waiting there for him. And Deadpool is not wearing his mask, uh, but he's wearing the rest of his costume. Well, no, he's not wearing the rest of his costume. He is wearing a really slick looking uh, pinstripe suit with a red button down and a black tie and red uh, wrist length gloves and a fedora. And the fedora it has a hat band with a little red—I don't know if it's called a bow—but the little, little bow-like thing that's on a hat band. It looks pretty, pretty slick. But modern era Nick Fury has sent Deadpool back in time to save 1959 Nick Fury because this is when he's supposedly at his most vulnerable, his after the war, but before he has joined Shield. Uh, in fact, I think he's off to go join the CIA. At this point, And if you've ever read the Strange Tales Nick Fury adventures, he is a member of the CIA when he joins S.H.I.E.L.D., which at that point is in the late 60s. And those are really fun stories. If you have not read the Strange Tales Nick Fury stories, they are great. I highly, highly recommend them. But, um, you know, Nick, uh, Deadpool pulls out a paper, and it shows it's a a headline from a few days later and it says Nick Fury dead it says Nick it shows Nick all shot up and stuff and so you know Nick Fury agrees to go with Deadpool because future Nick Fury realizes that because he and Deadpool are not friends Deadpool is not emotionally invested in this it's just a job so he is not likely to try to give Fury any hints about the future to make his life any easier and then Deadpool puts on a puts on a mask over this. It's not his usual mask that has the, the eye the the black rings around his eyes. It looks like a domino mask pattern over his red mask, which looks pretty cool, with the hat. Um, you know I'm a big fan, of uh, like pulp era, uh, characters like the Shadow and the Spider and basically a dude in a suit and a long coat and a hat with a gun. And, you know, of course, uh, Sandman, stuff like that, too. Um, So that looks, that's a cool look. But they talk about how Hitler's been going through different points in time. And he went back to his young self as an artist and gave him a pep talk and smashed his painting so he would go off and try to be a dictator. And then it shows up where Nick Fury tried to assassinate, where Hitler tried to assassinate Nick Fury as a young kid. That Nick Fury and his friends who would, become the adult versions of the Howling Commandos, which didn't make any sense because half of those guys from the Howling Commandos were from European countries. And they chased them off, and then Hitler tried to show up to assassinate modern Aaron Nick Fury, which, of course, is Nick Fury Jr., who is modeled more after uh, a young Sam Jackson. (laughs) And modern Nick Fury looks at him over his shoulder and says, I knew you ain't time-traveling Hitler, son. which is pretty funny um so like i said i like the dialogue in this but the captions are less than great um so they get in a car and they drive off but then goons in another car show up and they're firing tommy guns at the car and ping 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 but it's pretty fun and there's a car chase scene and the car chase scene goes on for for a pretty good minute and um they eventually run the other guy off the road. Oh, no, uh, Deadpool is driving uh, his car, with driving the car with Nick Fury in, and he spins out, and Nick Fury pops out the window and shoots the other guys in the head, and it drives off a cliff and explodes or something. And so Fury says, let's let's pull up at a five and dime. I need some ammo. And so they literally pull up a, to a newsstand, <laughs> and Fury says, you fellas sell ammo? And the guy at the newsstand says, of course we do. This is America, isn't it? So, yeah, and that is when Hitler shows up in a Tesla punk robot suit, and it is a big sphere, and it has kind of flame-like patterns all over it, and the top of it's a dome, and it has one giant, like, crab claw thing sticking out of an articulated arm, and the other side of it is like a, a Tesla gun cannon. And then it has a couple big, just uh, simple robot legs and smashes the car. And um, and they try, to, they try to fight it, and they run it into some power lines. And it, it hurts Hitler, uh, but it doesn't kill him. And then he zaps Fury with a Tesla gun, which almost kills him the first time. And he's laying on the ground smoking, at which point Deadpool fills out a postcard... And drops it into a post box. He's sending it to a drop box. And the postcard says, having fun. Wish you were here. Wish you were here seriously. I wish that. And he's dropping it off for his partner to find in the future. At which point, uh, Hitler zaps Fury again, killing him. And then kills Deadpool. Um, And the close-up they show of Hitler is very... Cartoony. It looks like kind of an Archie comics character, which is pretty silly. Uh, (laughs) Then we go to the future, and again, I said in the synopsis this is probably 1995 because Cable is wearing his 1995 outfit. And hang on, I have to check something real quick. Okay, so if I'm being super nitpicky about this, it would actually be 1996 because in this panel, Cable is wearing the exact outfit from Cable number uh twenty-six I think, which came out in March of 1996, but it's his blue and yellow costume uh with the short sleeves and the arm pouches and the wrist pouches and this thing that looks like a it's like a technological backpack with two things that stick up over his shoulders. That could very easily be some kind of blaster thingies. And the red axe on his shoulders and the knife and the boot knife. It's the exact same costume. And it's from the Ian Churchill era, era. It's the first Ian Churchill designed cable costume. I love it, I think it's great. I think it's very silly, it's got, it's very obviously supposed to be a a homage to Cyclops's 1990s costume, just more over the top. It even has the yellow trunks, only they're like more slender, so they're kind of like man thongs. <laughs> but it's pretty great. So he gets the he checks the dead box the the dead drop box that he apparently shares with Deadpool uh which is, you know, kind of weird because I don't think Cable and Deadpool were exact got, exactly got along very well in the 90s but that's okay. This could be literally from anywhere. He just happened to enjoy wearing that costume from that time. It's definitely not from when this comic book was published because at this time uh, Cable had if this this came out in 2014. In 2014, uh, Cable had lost his techno-organic virus, and he was wearing like this big mechanical arm contraption, and he wore an eye patch, and and some really inter- good and interesting storytelling by Dennis Hopeless. But it's not a particularly story I enjoy, an era I enjoy of Cable very much. So he gets the. Anyway, he gets the postcard out of the Dropbox and he checks it, and it's despite all that Deadpool said he was writing on the card, it's a drawing of Hitler and the robot with an arrow pointing to it, it says Hitler, and another stick figure says Nick dead, and another arrow arrow pointing to another stick figure says me dead too, and it's got a, the date on it and it's addressed to just in time. And it says P.O. Box 990. I think that's supposed to be, you know, a reference to the fact that Cable first debuted in 1990. But who knows? Cable's going to run off to go save the past, but at first he has to go to the future. So he shows up a few minutes before, he shows up a few seconds before uh, Fury and Deadpool get zapped. And uh, um, 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 Cable now has his own mecha suit, And it's much more futuristic-looking than Hitler's. And it's, like, actually kind of people-shaped. And it has a very kind of patriotic theme to it, where it's blue and silver. And it has, like, these golden eagles and stuff on it. And he smashes Hitler's Tesla robot. And then he zaps it with a freeze ray. And uh, then Nick Fury takes Cable's giant gun and blasts open the dome of Hitler's robot. At which point, uh, cable and Deadpool and Nick Fury all just, there are six panels of just them emptying their guns with butter, 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 At which point the, on the fifth panel, the narrator says a bit much fellas and cable says, okay, okay, we got them. Um, (laughs) um, and, uh, Cable says, well, we can't leave him here because we have to preserve the timeline. So they time slide to Berlin 1945 inside and they drop and they go inside Hitler's personal quarters of his bunker. And we see the guards outside the bunker. We see the flash and we see a green light through the window. And then we see Deadpool's dialogue bubble that says, I can't take it anymore. I'm the saddest dictator now. I'm Hitler. Hitler killing myself, uh, himself, uh, myself. And then, and then Deadpool shouts, bang. And the guards open the door and we see like Hitler's bullet riddled body. It looks like a zombie. It's been to so torn up so bad. And one of the guards says, this is obviously not suicide. And the other guy says, how can we be sure? The war is over. Goodbye. And he runs out which is pretty funny. Um so we go back to 1954 and Cable is now in his own Pinstripe suit in a very cool looking 1950s car. And uh uh Deadpool hands Nick Fury his Tommy gun that he says, you know, specifically killed Hitler, but who knows because they were all three firing their guns. And Nick Fury is about to get on a plane carrying the machine gun. And the airline guy says, excuse me, sir, but your machine gun. And Fury goes, yeah. And the airline guy says, would you like to check it? And Fury says, no, thanks. And the airline guy says, okie dokie, enjoy your flight. And uh, from there, apparently um, Deadpool and, and Cable are going to time slide off to 1960s Wakanda which has something to do with with issue 20 of this series that I have not read and I don't really intend to, but it is a pretty fun story. Like I said, I love the artwork in this. I love how they made it look like an old-timey comic. I love the... I keep wanting to say pixelated, but I know that's not the word. But, you know, the, the coloring technique it has all the little dots, and I love how they weathered the made the pages look like weather newsprint, and it's just a lot of fun, and it's just very silly, and yeah, um, I think the story of a dictator getting defeated is a great allegory at the moment, so it's <laughs> a pretty short episode, but uh, this is the only thing I wanted to talk about, because I think, I think it's important to talk about, but I'm going to take a short break, and I'll come back for the wrap-up. Okay, so I know that when some people tune into a comic book podcast, they don't want to hear about politics, and I get it. I listen to a lot of political shows myself, and I use comic book shows as you know kind of a break between them, uh, which is why I did this episode largely as an allegory, because uh, I don't want to be too like, vulgar with my message. But seriously, this is important, guys. Uh, if you're listening to this, On Monday the 2nd, when I drop this, and you haven't registered to vote yet, go now if you still can in the state where you live. And if you haven't voted yet, please make a plan to go do so and then go do it. You know, wear a mask, be socially distant as possible, take sanitizer with you, wear gloves if you need to, but go vote. This is a big deal, guys, and I know some people feel like their vote may not count and some people don't like the choices presented to them. So let me use another allegory that I've used several times this year on Twitter. I don't like the US agent. Um, I think he is, even though he's ostensibly a hero, he's kind of a jerk. He doesn't represent things that I Necessarily, uh, can relate to. I lean more to the left than U.S. Agent is willing to go. But if the only superhero left alive to fight the Red Skull was the U.S. Agent, I'm team U.S. Agent all the way. I don't care if you like Adam X the Extreme more. If Adam X the Extreme is the guy who represents everything that you like in a superhero and you pick him, the Red Skull will win because the options are U.S. Agent or the Red Skull. So even if you're not a huge fan of U.S. Agent, when it's U.S. Agent versus Red Skull, pick U.S. Agent. And also, uh, just in general, I don't like bullies. And I've talked about this more than once on more than one podcast. And when you're confronted with a bully, you have basically three options. You can either do nothing, at which point you get beat up by the bully. If you don't want to do nothing, but you're not willing to fight, you can make some kind of pointless gesture, um, at which point you will probably get beaten up by the bully. Or you can fight. And it doesn't matter, even if you don't think you can win, going down swinging is better than just letting the bully hand you a butt kicking. So seriously, now's the time to stand up against the bully and to fight with your vote. So please, if you have already, thank you. If you haven't yet, please, please please do so. Okay. that's all I'm going to say about that. So moving on. Um, I may or may not be back next week, depending on how things go this Tuesday. I know it's going to take a few days for everything to really get counted, but I think we'll have a pretty good idea of which direction the wind's building probably by Wednesday or Thursday. If things go well, or they look like they're going well, I'll put out another episode. It won't be the next thing in the timeline, uh, or Cable's timeline of publication, and I'll explain why in just a minute, but I'll put out something. I'll probably do another time slide episode. I'll probably pick out another just Cable story from somewhere in his timeline that I like, and it'll be fun. If things go poorly, if they're, or if they look like they're going poorly, I may need another week to just kind of regroup. I don't know. <laughs> I would say binge-watch Britannia, but I just finished Season 1, and I don't like Season 2 very much. I may just, like, read old comics for a week and just not do anything with social media or the Internet or anything like that. But, one way or another, I will definitely be back in probably a couple weeks from now. We haven't pinned down an exact date yet. But um, I'm going to be doing a crossover special with the podcast that goes snicked and the Excalibros, and we're going to be talking about Executioner's Song. And I'm really excited for it because I love that story. I know a lot of people don't. They think it's just kind of the, the pinnacle of 90s excess, but... I think it's a really fun story, but I'm also kind of biased cuz it's cable centric. But that's okay. And uh I really like uh I've and really enjoyed the uh guest spots that I've done with Jason on his show so far and I enjoyed the guest spot that he did on my show and I really I think The Excalibros are great and I haven't had a chance to podcast with them yet so I'm really looking forward to that. So sometime Right around the middle of November, look for the Executioner song crossover between the Cable Guide, the podcast that goes Snicked, and the Excalibros. It's a twelve issue story arc. Uh we're gonna do four issues on my show and then four issues on Excalibros and four issues on the Snickcast, cast. And they should probably all be coming out around, you know, very similar uh time wise to each other. So that'll be fun. Um Beyond that, uh, the, I don't know, (laughs) um, more X-Force, the Cable ongoing series will be starting pretty soon. Um, I think Cable has a guest spot in War Machine, which feels kind of random, but there you go. And that's all coming up, and that's all going to be a lot of fun. Um, As always, the theme music for the show is the song Time's Arrow by the band A Sound of Thunder, because nothing says Cable more than a metal song about time travel. You can find me on Twitter at StormChaser2162, a name that has absolutely nothing to do with Cable. You can also uh, get me directly at CableGuidePodcast at gmail.com, and I will be back with you sooner or later, because with Cable, it's always just a matter of time. Body slide by one.